electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Stacey Abrams, voting rights advocacy, running for governor, and her plan to boost small business in the Peach State and every state. The real issue is that the capital market solutions for small businesses are different than the capital solutions for large businesses. The West hits Russia with sanctions, the latest with Wally Adeyemo, Deputy Treasury Secretary. One of the most significant things we did was that we acted not alone, but with our allies and partners in Europe, which sent a clear message to President Putin. Those stories, plus a trucker convoy, this time coming to Washington. This could be similar to the ones that disrupted traffic in Ottawa and at U.S.-Canadian border crossings. Elon Musk lets us in on his beef with Biden and some things to be grateful for, like good COVID news and this great big internet. If they shut down my GPS, my Google Maps or something, I'm not sure I can get home anymore. It's Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one, two, Andrew. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kern. Becky is off today. Nice to see you, Joe. We're here. We're here. Some good news on the COVID front. New cases plummeting uh, 90% from a pandemic record that was set just five weeks ago. The U.S. average of 84,000 is down from the high watermark of 800,000 on January 15th and hospitalizations have also fallen sharply. And the death toll, which typically lags a rise by several weeks, is elevated, but also uh, showing some signs of easings. And a report says that Apple will no longer require customers to wear masks when visiting its stores in states where protocols have been eased. This is Bloomberg uh, that is reporting this. And masks will still be required in states, though, that have not uh, changed their COVID or relaxed COVID protocols. We need to do this for our country. Concerned at all about the convoy of truckers that's making its way to Washington? Yes, we've actually been um, been monitoring uh, this closely. The Department of Homeland Security and the administration are tracking reports of a potential convoy. The Capitol bracing for potential protests by truckers. This could be similar to the ones that disrupted traffic in Ottawa and at U.S.-Canadian border crossings. Police in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., they've been monitoring threats by truck protest groups and the Defense Department now approving the use of 700 National Guard members and 50 large tactical vehicles. One man, Bob Bolas, who owns a trucking company in Scranton, Pennsylvania, telling an NBC News affiliate that he and a convoy of truckers plan to shut down all but one lane of the Beltway today. The man behind this first rally was a bit cryptic during our interview today. He doesn't want to show his whole hand. He did tell me, though, that COVID mandates, inflation, and illegal immigration have all led him to this moment. We're making a statement for your people. Bob Bolas owns a towing and truck parts business in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We're going to use the beltway. Bolas promises to cooperate with law enforcement so long as they cooperate with him. I think the police have to understand we're peaceful. 
Other groups are planning protest convoys to D.C. originating in Washington State, California, Ohio, and North Dakota. I didn't really talk much about that yesterday. I, I thought just for a second, just to, to say something tongue-in-cheek, but I didn't want to get you going or anything, but I was going to say something like, well, who knew that there would be the emergence of a dictator in, in 2022? And then I was going to say, and there's also Putin. Get it? Rim shot. <laughs> also Putin. But I didn't say that. And I'm not going but, to. But you just and, did. And I'm not. But you just well, did. But I said that it, what I wasn't going to say. So you can't respond in any type of, of you know, hostile way. Because I was just saying I thought about saying that. But I didn't. Shares of Palo Alto Networks, higher, the cybersecurity company, reported earnings of $1.74 a share, beating estimates by $0.09. Cents. I think people in this business are going to do well, I think, for a while. Revenue also beat, and the company raised guidance on strong demand. Uh, for security software. I'm not sure I could get anywhere anymore. If they shut down my GPS on, uh, you know, on, on my Google Maps or something, I'm not sure I can get home anymore. And do you know how you do that? You put your f- important phone numbers in your phone. I, you don't even know your own phone number half the time because it's, you know, you just hit or someone else's. I don't remember where I live without don't Google you think Maps. that the GPS, by the way, is probably one of the most transformational technologies of our yeah. lifetime? I do. I always bring that up with my iPhone, how it changed my life, especially if you go to Los Angeles, where I used to be stuck on a freeway. It's like I see an exit. No, no, I can't do that. I've never, i will never. But now, man, I'm driving through places, you know, hey, we'll wave it, you know, shortcuts you wouldn't believe. Uh, and it makes it a lot better. And it, it spreads everything out. In an exchange with CNBC, Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk, accused President Biden of ignoring his electric vehicle company and paying more attention to legacy automakers. He also sought to reassure White House officials, saying if he were invited to speak at the White House, quote, they would have nothing to worry about. I would do the right thing. Now, CNBC had contacted Musk regarding new reporting that President Biden and the White House have no immediate plans to invite Musk to potential upcoming meetings with corporate leaders. Musk said, quote, the notion of a feud is not quite right. Biden has pointedly ignored Tesla at every turn and falsely stated to the public that GM leads the electric car industry when, in fact, Tesla produced over 300,000 electric vehicles last quarter and GM produced 26. It got to the point, hilariously, where no one in the administration was even allowed to say the word Tesla. The public outrage and media pressure about that statement forced him to admit that Tesla does, in fact, lead the EV industry. I wouldn't exactly call that praise. I have nothing against Biden otherwise apart from general concern about more deficit spending, which would apply to any president and actively supported Obama-Biden's election. A White House official praised Tesla on Tuesday in an email to CNBC saying Tesla has done extraordinary things for electric vehicles, and that's a big part of why the whole industry now knows EVs are the future. Well, I don't know, Joe. I mean... I know a lot of this think. came about, frankly, because we would question. I mean, I, I, how many times did I have to ask Pete Buttigieg on this show, what is happening here? This makes no sense. And then you I had always, that conversation with Mary Barra you, you, at DealBook. Why are you going to these meetings and without, you without Elon Musk? Said, you the whole immediately thing is crazy. Call, you immediately said what it was all about. The U word. The unions. It's, it's, it's been a union story. Yeah, that no. is, that's underneath this. It's underlying the, a lot of Democrats this. and unions. But it's, are, it, they're, they're, you're not going to you're not going to. That's never going to change. You know that. I mean, it's never going to change. Maybe it doesn't make sense, though, because and, and I've made this I made this point with Mary Barra. And I'll make it right now. 
if you go and do the math, it appears that Tesla employees, in part based on the stock, and so it depends which way the stock goes at this point, in part based on the stock, are paid better than GM employees, benefits and everything else included. Right. So you, said you can that, tell me you said the that about doing- Starbucks. You said that there's a lot of places where that's the case. There's a reason Absolutely. that it's, it, it, the membership has dropped. It, maybe it's rising a little now, but it used to be a real number, and it's single digits now, whatever the union membership, whatever you want to look at. We don't want to, don't want to make anyone feel, uh, feel bad. Whether you, I, I play a lot of, uh, I play a Neil Young song. I'm a union man. I play that and I sing along. I sing along. Do you think Biden should just invite him to the White House as a one-on-one, do it as a photo op, does that help him? Does that well, hurt him? Well, well, let me ask you. When, when you hear Elon say, hey, I promise I'll behave, do you put that in the bank? I actually think he probably would. You do? I it, think it he probably would. He might, make, the- he might make a dig or a comment about unions or, or something like that, which, you know, given the, the numbers that we've talked about in terms of pay for, for some of the unionized uh, but you've, you've automakers seen that your, your versus title Tesla, doesn't, he, he it, might be right. A title doesn't matter to Elon as much. You've seen some of the comments he'll make about um, Senator Warren or, or Senator Bernie Sanders, where yeah, but Twitter is a very weird can, place, it is, Joe. It we is, all know it's different. People right. are willing it's, to say things on Twitter that I hope they would not actually say face to face. Right. Right. Is that, yeah. Is that is that how you write off some of these? Uh, that I guess I'm going to start saying that too. Or be like Kramer, Jimmy Chill, just. Uh, you know, if they comment, they're watching. I guess that's, you know, it's K-E-R-N-E-N, right? Just spell it right. I'm just, all I'm saying is it's very rare where people go at each other, I think, in person the way they seem to do on Twitter. That's true. That's true. Has anyone ever come up to you in public and, and said something nasty? Because if it was just what people say to me in public, I think I've got like 100% About you? Of- all no, the about time. me, about yourself. No, I got 100% approval from people that, that deign to come up and, and speak to me. And I'm wondering where are these people... No, but people... that's the point. It's very... Right. No, right. no. Very rare no, where somebody will come up people to you, come up even and when say they disagree they like, with you. People came up and say... But they'll they, go to they, Twitter in 10 seconds. Do, they don't... They come up and say they like you? Occasionally. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> very hard to believe. I, I you know, oh, I count rapping. my lucky stars. <laughs> Next on Squawk Pod, Stacey Abrams. Her fight for fair elections turned into a movement in 2020. Now the Georgia Democrat is highlighting entrepreneurship. I'm curious how much you want people to think of you as a business person. I absolutely believe it's necessary. I'm running to be the executive of the state of Georgia. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Sometimes it takes a different approach. To help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. 
Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. The number of new small businesses soared in 2020, hit a record high in 2021, but the pandemic was not the only challenge for these new entrepreneurs. Inflation on goods at a four-decade high, causing price increases, is also tightest labor market in years. Joining us right now with more on the state of small business and the economy, Stacey Abrams, Democratic candidate for Georgia governor and a co- the co-author, I should say, of this new book, Level Up, Rise Above the Hidden Forces Holding Your Business Back, which is about the lessons she learned from starting three different businesses. Stacey, uh, thank you for being here. I want to talk politics with you, but I want to talk about this book first, and I'll just go at some of these business issues. People think of you as a politician, uh, rightly, I think, but they don't often think of you as an entrepreneur. And I'm curious how much you you want people to think of you as a business person. I absolutely believe it's necessary. I'm running to be the executive of the state of Georgia, and I bring with me a great deal of experience as an executive for three companies, including the successful fintech company Now Account, which helped create and retain jobs for businesses across Georgia. And we are expanding to do national work. Uh, more than $700 million put back into small businesses by monetizing their invoices. That is the kind of leadership we need as we watch small businesses grow, but we also watch them stall out. And our book is about how do we make certain we tackle those systemic challenges that stop small businesses from scaling up. When you look at what's happening in the economy broadly, and its impact on small businesses, and we're talking about inflation and commodity costs and supply chain issues and the like, and then you think about what the administration is doing and and the approach the Democratic Party is taking, do you think it's working? I think we have to look longitudinally at what has been happening for small businesses for quite some time. There has been a tendency, regardless of administration, to think about solutions for small businesses as scaled-down Fortune 100. We see these macro solutions for what are typically micro businesses. And the real issue is that the capital market solutions for small businesses are different than the capital solutions for large businesses. Small businesses do best when they have customers, when they can sell their products into the marketplace, not when they sell their equity to investors and to loan companies. And so one of the challenges we talk about is how do we monetize and make certain that the most important capital market for small businesses, which is the fact that they spend their money often funding larger companies, funding their customers, how do we put that money back into small businesses? So it's not a partisan issue. It really is a challenge of having a lot of corporate leaders who've never run small businesses making those decisions. Stacey, I know we we both love uh, the state of Georgia and somehow Georgia is back in, in like the center of the universe. I couldn't believe last election how, how important it was. So you're going to do it again, going to run again. And I know you've answered this question again and, and again, but I want to uh, ask you a little bit differently because you continue uh, to express kind of a nuanced view on what really happened uh, in 2018. On the one hand, you say, uh, I think it, at the time, 10 days after the election, a concession means to acknowledge something, uh, an action is right, true or proper. And as a woman of conscience, I cannot concede. And then it got more nuanced where you said, well, Kemp won under the rules of the game at the time, uh, but the game was rigged against the voters in Georgia. So I can tell you for a fact that Republicans are going to use this uh, against you uh, and ask you questions. You've answered it before, but they're going to say it's hypocritical uh, for Democrats to criticize people that question the integrity of an election 
when you did the same thing. One even said you were ahead of your time uh, in claiming the results of an election were rigged. Do you think this next election, is, has, the, has the game changed? Is it still rigged, or do you think it's at this point that it will be a fair election in 2022 in Georgia? What I've always spoken to is the ability of voters to cast their ballots and have their ballots counted. There is not a single politician, including myself, who is entitled to win an election. And that was never my point. The point is we have to make certain that the voters have the ability to register and stay on the rolls, cast their ballots and have their ballots counted. And sadly, in 2021, in response to the safest election in Georgia history, we saw the promulgation of SB 202, which makes it harder for voters to participate in elections. That should always concern every American, especially every Georgian. And I'm going to be working hard to make certain that the effects of that law are mitigated for every voter, regardless of who they intend to vote for when they get into the rolls, get to the polls. But the larger issue, and this goes to the systemic issue that we're talking about for small businesses, we have to make certain that the process is fair and that those who want to participate, whether you're running a small business or casting your ballot, that you have the ability to do so in a fair and equitable manner. And that should be our mission. I can't do a thing about what the Republicans or others are going to say, but I can be true to my word and I can do what I've done for the last four years as a private citizen, and that is work to make certain things are made better for others. As a small business owner, I work to put money into the pockets of small businesses during this last time, during this interregnum, and I'm going to do the work I can to make sure that as governor, we can ensure that voters have access, that small businesses have access, and that the state of Georgia is seen as a shining star where no matter where you start, no matter your background, your zip code, or your access to power, your ability to succeed and have opportunity is strong in the state of Georgia. It, it might be interesting on, on the other side, just seeing who your opponent is, Stacey. And, I, I'm, I'm, and it's, you've got one that I, I think David Perdue, the former senator, has, has President Trump's former President Trump's endorsement, and then Brian Kemp, who you faced last time. Uh, do, you, do you have a preference who you face? Who do you think your, your opponent's going to be? And, and what will that bring into the dynamic of the, uh, the election itself? While the Republicans fight amongst themselves about who will be their standard bearer, my responsibility is to fight for Georgia. And my mission is to focus on building one Georgia, where we have a diverse economy, a diverse electorate, where we have opportunities, though, that focus on the needs of communities, that recognize that rural communities have a very specific set of needs that differ from Atlanta, that differ from the excerpts. And while they are having their battles internally, my responsibility is to articulate a plan about how we fully fund education going forward, how we ensure that we pour money into the re we pour resources into our economy that actually lift everyone. Because right now, while the numbers look good on the top, People are in pain. These are real challenges that that people are feeling, and we cannot gloss over it by highlighting only the numbers we like. And we have to focus on healthcare. In Georgia, that is a massive cost. Uncompensated care in Georgia runs into the billions of dollars because we refuse to expand Medicaid, bring billions of dollars back, Georgia taxpayer dollars, and invest that to create 60,000 jobs throughout the state of Georgia. That's going to be my focus. That's the conversation I'm going to have with Georgians. And I'm going to bring my business acumen, my political ability to work across the aisle, and the time I have spent across the state to make certain I'm the right leader for the state. Stacey, though, I do want to ask you about this. Mike Bloomberg uh, warned Democrats the following. He says, quote, the party is headed for a wipeout in November. Do you think that's true? I think prognostication is fun, but I believe in building my own destiny. 
I look at the numbers, I look at what's happening, but then my responsibility as a leader is to shape the future that I believe we need. And while I appreciate the mayor's insights, I think that we are several months out from November and our responsibility as a party, my responsibility as a candidate, and any leader's responsibility is to see the warning signs and do what we can to shape a future that guarantees opportunity for every citizen. And for me, that's about focusing on the people of Georgia. And Stacey, I also wanted to ask you about uh, corporate funding, um, individual donations versus corporate funding. Interestingly, and this has really happened since January 6th, uh, you've seen corporate funding uh, and corporate donations come down remarkably, uh, down now 28 percent corporate giving uh, to Democratic members. Uh, I should say all, to all members down 28 uh, percent down for Congress fell 19 uh, fell 19 percent. What's your take on on the distinction between individual giving and corporate giving? Do you think that the corporation should even give it all? Right now, we have a system and we have we have language from the Supreme Court that treats these donations equally. And they are corporate citizens. If they want to participate in our elections, they should do so. But they need to do so paying very close attention to the longitudinal history of the candidates they're supporting. And any candidate who was willing to subvert this nation and participate in the January 6th insurrection should be looked at askance. My responsibility is to raise money so I can spend it on sharing my vision and my values with the state of Georgia, and that's how I'm going to approach this election. And I encourage every donor, whether you're an individual donor or a corporate donor, to look carefully at my record to make certain you understand the vision I have for the state and that you look at the success I've had as a leader in both the corporate sector and the the nonprofit sector and as a political leader. Stacey Abrams, the book is called Level Up. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. Cheese will be next. Up next on Squawk Pod. I'm going to take robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted at a Russian economy, not ours. President Biden announcing a first tranche of sanctions against Russia for moving troops into separatist regions of Ukraine. We'll take a look at the economic and the political cost. Plus, U.S. Deputy Treasury Secretary Wally Adeyemo joins us from the White House lawn. The key thing that President Putin needs to consider is whether he wants to ensure that Russia's economy is able to grow, that he has the resources he needs to be able to project power into the future. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Today with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Stand by Joe and his mic. Q. President Biden addressed the crisis in Ukraine yesterday. He called Russia's actions the beginning of an invasion and announced sweeping sanctions. The president said NATO will continue to operate in a defensive capacity. Also warning Russia 
about taking further steps. As Russia contemplates its next move, we have our next move prepared as well. Russia will pay an even steeper price if it continues its aggression, including additional sanctions. President Biden acknowledging that gas prices would likely rise as a result of the conflict, but he said he would work to limit the pain the American people uh, are feeling at the gas pump, seeing some, some crazy prices out in California. Not, not $4 here in places. Sorkin, you, you get it in the, uh, when's the last time you took a car out? Have you, uh, have you ventured forth? Last have you, have weekend, you, I had to get some gas. I think I was paying about three, high, 387, maybe? Something 387. Like that. Do you get, do you say, do you get like $8 worth just for, for where you're going? Or do you, do, you, do you keep your tank full? What do you do? Depends Got on the price. Keep it full. You it it okay. goes so quickly. I, I have to say I have become more enamored with the idea of an electric car every, every passing day. Kayla Tausch, joins us now with the latest from Washington. Good morning. Good morning, Andrew. The Kremlin vowing to hit back at the West after a coordinated wave of sanctions on Russia that limits access to U.S. and European financial markets. Activity by two Russian banks with about $80 billion in assets, five elite individuals and their families who are deemed close to President Putin, and the operations of the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline to Germany. The package, which President Biden called the first tranche of actions, notably stops short of limiting oil and gas exports, cutting off high-tech exports to Moscow or blocking its access to swift payments, all of which could impact consumers. And while Biden also held out a shred of hope for a negotiated resolution, his top diplomat, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, said there would need to be a reversal of Russia's actions, canceling a scheduled meeting with his Russian counterpart, citing the invasion. Now that we see the invasion is beginning and Russia has made clear its wholesale rejection uh, of diplomacy, uh, it does not make sense to go forward with that meeting at this time. In the last 24 hours, NATO countries have added thousands of new troops to Eastern Europe and the Baltic states to counter Russia's more than 150,000 troops surrounding Ukraine. A Russian separatist leader said military mobilization is gaining speed, but not yet at the stage of claiming new territory. Joe? Okay, Kayla, uh, thanks for joining us now on this. Wally Adeyemo, Deputy Secretary uh, of the Treasury. So when, uh, when President Putin was made aware of uh, the uh, proclamations yesterday of the, of the sanctions. What do you think he thought, Wally, at that point, about what he expected, would you say? Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. I, what President Putin thought was that the United States and, his, and their allies were taking steps that would constrain his ability to project power into the future. We went after institutions that are critical to his ability to spend money on things like his military and also elites who are close to him who fund his lifestyle, as well as constraining their ability to borrow money in the future that will make it harder for him to take actions like the ones he took yesterday. Was there a, a, a notion to keep something in the tank for the future? Well, is that the way you, you, you proceed uh, with this? If, in other words, if he does more, they, you, you do even more. And is that the right way to do it? Should you, the Fed has to decide 25 basis points or do we go 50 right away? Should should we have canceled, for example, Nord Stream 2 instead of it? It looks like almost just kind of, a, well, we'll suspend it. Uh, we'll see what happens. Is, was more needed or is it a wait and see approach? So one of the critical things that we did was we outlined for President Putin very directly what we would do in response to his invasion. We would take significant financial sanctions. 
we would cut off his access to technology, and we cut off his elites. And we started that process yesterday. The president made clear yesterday that that, that was our first tranche. And one of the most significant things we did was that we acted not alone, but with our allies and partners in Europe, which sent a clear message to President Putin. And we have more that we will do if President Putin decides to further his invasion into Ukraine, more significant actions. In 2014, I was here. I had a chance to work in the White House when President Putin went into Crimea. And what I can tell you is that the actions that we're contemplating taking are far more significant than what we did then. Will sanctions be enough if he has it in his mind that he's going to uh, you know, reconstitute the greatness of, of Russia, if that's in the back of his mind. Is there anything economically that, that would stop him if he has that in mind, do you think, Wally? Ultimately, this is a choice that President Putin has got to make. He has to decide if he wants to launch an invasion into a sovereign country. And if he does that, we're going to be prepared to launch significant sanctions that will curtail his ability to project power into the future. But the choice belongs to him. We would rather he choose diplomacy, and we've made that an option. We're ready to discuss with him next steps. But if he doesn't choose that, we're willing to use significant sanctions to stop his ability to project power into the future. Wally, we, it's been pointed out that a lot of classified um, intelligence that maybe in the past the, the administration would have kept under wraps that, uh, to, to try to maybe prevent this or, or put a lot of transparency on it, that, that the Biden administration disclosed a lot more of what it knew that was going on. In your view, um, does it appear that this initial tranche is going to prevent him from going further than just these, these breakaway areas of Ukraine? Because it seems like the president says that he's, he's, uh, President Putin will do much more than he's done so far. President Putin clearly has the ability to do much more than he has done so far. You're right that the information that we've shared has demonstrated that Russia has amassed a number of troops around Ukraine and is in a position to further its invasion. But the actions we took, one of the most important things was we didn't take them alone. And the key thing that President Putin needs to consider is whether he wants to ensure that Russia's economy is able to grow, that he has the resources he needs to be able to project power into the future. If he chooses to invade, what we're telling him very directly is that we're going to cut that off. We're going to cut him off from Western technology that's critical to advancing his military, cut him off from Western financial um, resources that will be critical to feeding his economy and also to enriching himself. And those are the choices that we put before him at this point. Very good. Uh Thank you. We have a pretty good insight into what, what uh, the administration is, is thinking after this, uh, Wally. And we appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming on this morning. Thanks for having me. Joseph, what a ball this has been. <laughs> it's been uh, real and it's been fun. So it's been real fun. It's been real Becky's fun. Becky's back tomorrow. See Becky's you tomorrow, my tomorrow. friend. Literally Becky's back, back tomorrow. Yeah. And that's the pod for today. Thank you for listening. As you know, Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Please tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.